Well, good morning to each and every one of you, and it's great to see all of you on site, and a welcome to all of you who have joined us online, and a shout-out welcome to our first-time guest right here. Can we give a great big warm welcome to all of our first-time guests? I'm so glad that you've joined today, and if you're our guest, thank you for being here, and we have a special gift for you that we want to give to you on your way out. Drop by a table, and we've got a coffee card for you, and we're just so glad that you've joined today. And a shout-out welcome to our guests that have joined us online from across the city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada, and even around the world. We are so honored that you've joined us today. How many people are ready for God's Word? Are you ready for God's Word? We're going we're gonna to dig in to God's Word today. This is message number seven. This is the final message in our Stronger Sermon series as we've been exploring the armor of God. And we've been learning, spiritually speaking, that God wants us to be suited and booted so we can stand against the attacks of the enemy. And so today, we're going to just take you to the final message. But let me, let me just recap. We started talking first message about the, about the belt of, of truth. This is a real small belt. This would never go around my waist. But uh, the belt of truth is the first thing we looked at. And then secondly, we explored the whole theme of the breastplate of righteousness. And then we talked about the shoes of peace. And uh, we talked about the shoes of the gospel of peace. And then we talked also about the, the shield of faith. And we learned that it wasn't this tiny little puny little shield that wouldn't protect you that a Roman soldier would wear. We, uh, we started to learn that it was a large, huge door-like shape shield that a Roman soldier would put in front of him. And we talked about the, the shield of faith. And then we talked about the, the helmet of salvation. That was the next message. And then we talked last week about the sword of the spirit and we talked about the sword of the word of god and most of you know that there were seven parts to the roman uh, centurion equipment that he would wear that paul picked up the analogy to talk about the spiritual armor of god but there's one more thing that paul talked about and it's not so much of, a, of an armor of the centurion soldier but it's something that he had because he was he was in house arrest. He was kind of in prison. And he was chained to a Roman guard. And he was chained to a Roman guard 24-7. And he, for two years, he was in house arrest. And he was chained to a Roman guard. And he started to, to talk about prayer in the final verses that he wrote after he talked about the armor of God. And I want to read to you, if I could, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. We're going to talk today about prayer, the ultimate weapon. And in verse 18, down to verse 20, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. In a couple of moments, I want to share with you seven essential elements of a powerfully effective prayer life. And we're going to learn today that prayer is the ultimate weapon. 
And I'm praying that God would take my prayer life and your prayer life to a new, deeper level. Amen? And I think all of us would admit that there's room for improvement in our prayer life. So what would God want to say to us today? I'm going to give you in a couple of moments seven essential elements of a powerful prayer life. But let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for everyone here today. And I thank you, God, for everyone that has joined us online. I'm asking God, as we now come to your word, that your word would speak to us. Your word would encourage us. Your word would help us. Your word would exhort us. I pray that we would be challenged by these seven critical elements of a powerful prayer life. So we commit our time to you. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. The first thing I want to share with you, number one, the first essential element of a powerful prayer life is prayer that is spirit-directed. Prayer that is spirit-led. Prayer that is spirit-guided. I don't know about you, but I don't want to pray my prayers. I want to pray prayers that are guided by the spirit of the living God. Paul said, pray in the spirit. Pray prayers that are led by the spirit. It was back in the 1970s that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God gave me a prayer language that I have learned is a dynamic aspect of my prayer life. I want to give you a few verses where Paul teaches us about our prayer life of praying in the Spirit, praying in that heavenly language. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. He's talking about prayer. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Let's pick it up in verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Paul is teaching us here that prayer needs to be led by the Spirit, whether you're praying in the language that you speak, English, French, whatever the language is, but also a prayer life that is led where you begin to pray in the Spirit. Now, the devil will know English. The devil will know French. The devil will know the language that you speak. But there's a language that the devil does not understand. It's your heavenly prayer language. I find when I'm praying in the Spirit... And I'm praying in that, that dynamic prayer glossolalia is the Greek word, praying in tongues. The, the devil has no clue what I'm praying. When I'm praying in English. I want my prayer to be led by the Spirit. I want to pray a Spirit-led prayer. Let me, let me share with you Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27. Paul said in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Let me push pause. I think I know the answer. But have you ever been confused as to how you should pray about a situation? I have. I've been walking through stuff in life, and I thought, Lord, I don't know how to pray about this. Paul said, we don't know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. If you want to pray the will of God, pray in the spirit. It says in Jude 20, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So if you want your prayer life to grow and deepen, pray prayer that is spirit directed. Then there's number two. 
prayer that is life-saturated. He says in verse number 18, on all occasions. You see, church, I don't want us just to, just, to, just to pray when life is good. I think we need to pray when life is bad. I think we need to pray not just when, when life is easy, but when life is tough. Not just when we're in tragedy, but we're in triumph. Not just when we feel like it, but even when we don't feel like it. Let's keep on praying, life-saturated prayers, praying at all times. Let me give you a verse in Psalm 6, verse 3. And uh, it says, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? David is crying out to God. God, how long is this going to go on? How long am I going to go through what I'm going through? How long am I going to face what I'm facing? I don't know about you, but this COVID season is going on a lot longer than I want. Anybody with me today? I wish it would break. I wish it would end right now. I wish it would stop. I wish, I, I wish there would just be, I just wish it would stop in the name of Jesus. And it feels like it's going on and on and on and on, but we're going to keep on praying in the name of the Lord. We're going to keep on praying praying that, that there's going to be a breakthrough in the coronavirus. Amen. Come on, church. You're with me today. We're going to keep praying that there's going to be a breakthrough. But a life-saturated prayer life prays whether you're in triumph or tragedy, whether it's good or it's bad, whether you're in sickness or in health, whether your life is easy or life is tough. Pray in every single season of life. Amen. Don't stop praying when life is easy. Keep on praying. And so Paul teaches us prayer that is life-saturated. Look at Acts 2, 42. This is about the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stop praying Live a life that is saturated by prayer. Can I hear a little amen today? Come on, can I hear a little amen today? Live a life that is saturated in prayer. Spirit-directed and life-saturated. Then there's number three. Prayer that is all-encompassing. And I'm learning that there's different kinds and styles of prayer. Paul said, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And the Greek word that he uses here for prayers is the general word. And the Greek word for request is the specific word. Um, you can kneel when you pray. You can stand when you pray. You can pray when you're in bed. You can pray when you're driving. Just don't close your eyes. You can pray when you're walking. You can pray, you can pray different postures. You, you, can, you can pray a prayer that is private in your prayer closet or public in a church. You can pray a prayer that is spontaneous and spirit-led, or you can even pray a prayer that is written down on paper. Are you with me today, friends? There are so many different styles and kinds and types of prayers. Now, I'm going to give you a verse in Psalm 56, verse 8. And one of our seniors drew this verse to my attention this week, and I thought, wow, that's powerful. It's Psalm 56, verse 8, where David is... Uh, is, is, is the Philistines had seized him in Gath. And he's gone through a real difficult time. And David was known to weep and cry out to God. And he said, this is what David said, record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? And I think David was inspired by Holy Spirit to pen those words. You know what that teaches me? Every tear that you have shed in prayer is recorded by God in heaven. 
He knows the reason why that tear was shed. He knows what you're going through. And every tear that you have shed is recorded in heaven. God knows every reason behind the tear that you have shed in prayer. He hears, he answers, he cares more than you can ever imagine. Come on, somebody give a little clap offering of praise this morning. Every tear that you've shed, the tear that you've shed for your family, the tear that you've shed for what you're walking through physically, the tear that you've shed for what you're facing is recorded on a scroll in heaven. God records every tear that you prayed. But I'm going to give you something that I learned years ago, and it's something that I apply to this day in my prayer life. It's built on the acrostic of the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. And I'm going to take you to Daniel chapter 9. This is what I do in prayer. I start the letter A with adoration. When I get here early in the morning and I have my devotional time, I start with worship. I just start adoring God for who he is. It says in Daniel chapter nine, verse four, Daniel said, I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed out loud, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Start your prayer time with worship and adoration adore him. C stands for confession. A, adoration. C, confession. Look at verse 5. Daniel started to confess to God. We have sinned and done wrong. This is verse 5. We've been wicked. We've rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and your laws. Daniel teaches us, start your prayer life with adoration and then move to confession. God, forgive me for my sins. Show me where I've wronged. Show me what is standing between me and you. Forgive me. And then the letter T is thanksgiving. A, adoration. C, confession. T is thanksgiving. Look at verse 15. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. Don't wait for Thanksgiving weekend to give them thanks. Give them thanks at all times. How many people this morning got something you can give God thanks for today? Come on, anybody? Anybody got something you can give God thanks for? So you start with worship and adoration for who he is, and then you move to confession for the sin in your life, and then you move to thanking him for all that he has done in your life, and then the letter S is supplication. Now you're ready to give him your requests. Most people start with their requests. Most people barge into the presence of God, asking him for something. Start with adoration, then go to confession, then go to thanksgiving, and then go to supplication. Look at verse 17. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. I'm going to read to you also verse 19, because verse 19 shows me the desperation, the boldness of Daniel. He said, Lord, listen, Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. I don't hold back in my prayer life. I start with adoration, I move to confession, I go to thanksgiving, and then I come with my supplication, and I call out to God with boldness, standing on the promises of the word of God. If God said it, I believe it, amen? I believe God wants us to follow in a different style and a kind of prayer, and the Acts model is a good one. So number four, let me take you number four. Prayer that is clear-minded. Paul said, with this in mind, be alert. Now, he is, he's literally chained to a Roman guard. And the chain was probably longer. And it was probably a chain something like this and a lot longer. And, and he's chained to a Roman guard. 
24-7. And those Roman guards would serve a shift of six hours, and then someone else would come on for six hours. And there was four Roman guards that would take a six-hour shift. And if you're the Roman guard and you're chained to Paul, never fall asleep on the job. And so Paul's picking up the analogy of a Roman guard guarding him who should never fall asleep on the job. Now, I'm taking you somewhere because sometimes when we pray, we start to yawn. You ever been in an all-night prayer meeting? I have. And I'll tell you, in the middle of the night, it's sometimes a little harder. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pray, I'm willing to admit that my mind will sometimes wander a bit. And if some of you are nodding your head, or you start thinking about what you got to do. Any, anybody, anybody else willing to admit you go through a little bit of that? Oh man, I've got to, oh yeah, I got to do this, got to do that. Gotta, and your mind starts to wander. So Paul is teaching us with this in mind, be alert. And the Greek word that he's using here means be sleepless, don't be drowsy. It's a military analogy. So let me take you to Matthew 26, 40 to 41. You remember the story where Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane, comes back, disciples fell asleep. It says he returned to his disciples, he found them sleeping. Could you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, centers out Peter, of all the disciples, he centers out Peter. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you're going, that's my story. I want to pray, but my flesh is weak. I want, and you ever, you ever felt like you prayed for a long time, then you look at the clock and only two minutes have gone by? Come on, you can relate to that. I thought I've been praying for a long time and only two minutes have gone by. So how can we, how can we live this out? Let me, let me read you 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert, sober minds that you may pray. How can we have a prayer life that's clear mind? Let me give you three things. Number one, understand that the devil doesn't want you to pray. The devil doesn't want this church to pray. The devil doesn't want you to come next Sunday night for an all-church prayer meeting. The devil wants this church to do everything but pray. I'll tell you why. Because Satan knows that the ultimate weapon is prayer. And if the devil can get you not to pray, if the devil can get a church to be prayerless, the devil would then allow our church to become ineffective. If we want to be an effective church, we've got to pray. So we got to understand part of spiritual warfare is the devil doesn't want you to pray. That's why when two minutes go by and you're thinking, I thought I've been praying for an hour because the devil doesn't want you to pray. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's number one. The second thing I do, and I do this all the time, is I have a piece of paper in front of me and the moment this active, high D personality mind begins to wander and thinks of all that I got to do in the day, I just write it down on paper so I can forget about it. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to call this person. I'm supposed to email this person. I'm I just write it down so I can forget about it. So once I've got it on paper, I can forget about it and I can go back to prayer. But there's something else I do. Keep a prayer journal. Keep a prayer journal of your requests. But on one side, have your requests. On the other side, have the answers to your prayers. So when you're in a valley and you're going through a tough time, you can open up your prayer journal and go, that's right. Back in 2020, September, such and such a date, I prayed for this. Oh, that's right. Such and such a date, a week later, God answered my prayer. 
It's how it's amazing how easy we forget. Keep a prayer journal of your requests and the answers to prayer. That'll help you to be alert. So understand the devil doesn't want you to pray. Number two, write down on paper so your mind is, when it comes to your mind, put it down. You can forget about it. Pick it up after your prayer time. And then number three, just keep a prayer journal. And I would add a number four, stretch the time that you spend in prayer and allow God to help you spend more time each day in prayer. And you watch what God begins to do. Can somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord today? All right, clear-minded. Number five, prayer that is persistently devoted. Number four, clear-minded. Number five, persistently devoted. Don't stop. Don't, don't stop. I feel the Lord wants me to say in both these morning services that the devil wants to discourage you in your prayer life to get you to believe that God's not going to answer your prayer. And there's something that I do in my life. I don't stop praying for something until unless the spirit stops me or the father answers me. I don't stop. I will keep on praying until the spirit stops me or unless the spirit stops me or until the father answers the prayer. And when the father answers it, I give him praise. And there's been time where the spirit has changed the tone and the temperature of my prayer, but I don't stop praying for it. I don't know if you know the name George Mueller, and he was back in the 1800s. He was an evangelist in England, and he started a mission in Bristol, England. And I tell you, if you read anything about George Mueller, God answered prayer like you wouldn't believe. He'd have no money, no food. All the money's gone. And he'd say, God, I've got 100 people in this orphanage. We got no money. Got to feed them today. Would you do a miracle? And all of a sudden, an hour later, people would be showing up saying, I was in prayer this morning. The Lord prompted me to bring some eggs. I was in prayer this morning. The Lord prompted me to bring some flour. (laughs) Because God just showed up and did the miraculous. He never stopped praying. Now, here's the story. He prayed for 50 years for two of his close friends to come to know Jesus. For 50 years, he kept on praying. And long into those 50 years, someone came up to him and said, George, come on. Do you really believe? Do you really believe that God's going to answer your prayer? And these, these guys that are so messed up, and they'll, they'll never get, do you really believe they're going to get saved? And he said, do you think God would stop me? Do you think God wouldn't stop me from praying for this unless he knew he was going to answer this prayer? He said, don't you think if God wasn't going to save them, he would stop me from praying? He says, I feel the spirit wants me to keep praying because I know that the spirit's going to answer this prayer. And here's how the story goes. Just before he died, one of them came to Jesus. And not long after he died, the other one came to Jesus. Now, come on. Come on, church. Don't. Stop praying. The devil's going to try to get you to think you're not going to receive your miracle. The devil's going to try to get you to think your son will never come to Jesus. The devil's going to try to get you to think it's not going to change. But how many people know you put Jesus in the picture and it's subject to change? Come on. Are you with me this morning, friends? Don't stop praying. Don't give up. There's a spirit warfare going. The devil doesn't want you to pray. 
But God wants to lead us to pray. So prayer that is persistently devoted. Always keep on praying. Let me show you one scripture. Matthew 7, 7. You know this verse. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Can we read this together out loud? Let's lift our voice. One, two, three. Ask and it will be given to you. I can't hear you. Let's try that again. You ready? One, two, three. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. Now, I want you to look at the word ask, seek, and knock. Two things. Number one, the original Greek uses what is called the present imperative. You know what that means? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't just do it once. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. That's the, that's the imperative that is used here, the, the present imperative, the present imperative. Ask and keep on asking. Now, the second thing I want to point, on, point out to you, I want you to notice the, the, the intensity builds in these three words, ask. I'm going to, could you please remain seated? I'm asking you, all right? Now, if I'm going to seek for you to do it, which, um, um, please, folks, could you please, please, please just, please just stay seated. I'm just giving you a really loose illustration here. I, I ask you now, I'm seeking for you. Now, if I knock, I'm really stepping it up and up. I'm asking you, please, folks, please, whatever, come on, friends, I need you to please remain seated. You see, ask, seek, knock. In fact, the Greek word for knock doesn't mean do, do, do. You ever had someone come to your door and they don't ring the doorbell and you hear this little tap, 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 tap. Like you're in the basement and you're going to hear that little tap, 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 tap. Then you get someone else come to your door. Boom, boom, boom. It was a number of years ago without giving you the whole story because I've shared it before, but it illustrates it. I was washing my car on a fall day and a cube van pulled out in front of my car. It looked like I was witnessing an abduction of someone on the street. It ended up being just some college students from Algonquin College in the police course doing a mock abduction of someone. It's a long story. It all ended well, but it freaked me out. And I'm outside watching the, watching the car and I thought it was a real abduction. And I, I got desperate. And I ran to the door and it's locked. And I'm pounding on my door as hard as I Evelyn, open the door. Open the door. I was so desperate to get in just to call the police. Open the door. I didn't go. Tap, 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 tap. Sweetheart, somebody just got abducted. Could you kindly open the door and maybe we can in time call 911? No. I was desperate. I was desperate. When Evelyn was going through cancer, I was desperate. I'd come to this church early morning, get on my face, God Almighty, I'm praying in the name of Jesus, heal my wife. God, I believe your hand is upon her. I believe you got so much more you want to do through Jesus. I need you. Oh, in the name of the Lord, come through. I'm calling you, church, to move from asking to seeking, 
to boldly knocking, calling upon the name of the Lord and believing by faith for your miracle and your breakthrough. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. Ask, seek, and knock. And then there's number six, prayer. That is others' focus. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Paul is in house arrest. I mean, we sometimes think he's in this dark, dingy prison, but it, he, was in, he was in a rented house. I'm going to show you that in a few moments. And for two years, he's in house arrest, and he's, and he's chained to a Roman guard 24-7, and you would think that he would pray for his comfort. You would think that he'd pray for his freedom. You think he'd pray for himself. But what does he say? For all the Lord's people. And I want to challenge you today. Prayer that is effective and powerful is prayer that is not just focused on you. But I'm going to challenge you to intercede for other people in the name of the Lord. Does it make you feel good when someone says to you, I'm praying for you. Does that make you feel good? Have you ever gone through life where you thought, I, I don't have what it takes to pray. I need the church to pray for me. Church, could we be the church? And could we learn to grow in praying for other people, lifting other people up in prayer? Some people are so weak and so down and so discouraged. It's like Moses. Do you remember Moses was leading these, leading the Joshua, sorry, it's Joshua was leading the Israelites. And they're just so down, so disgraced, Moses, sorry. And he needed just to sit down on a rock. And the two guys just lifted, lifted up his arms. And, and, and just as he lifted up his arms, there was victory. But when his arms came down, there was defeat. And, and I just think there's some of you today, you're so weary in your prayer life. You're like, I, I can't keep on doing this. I'm so down. I'm so discouraged. I just need someone to, to lift up my arms. I need someone just to lift up my arms. I need someone to, to pray for me. And for some of you today, you're like, I'm feeling so, I need someone else just to pray for me. Church, can our prayers become others focused? But there's one more thing I want to leave you with. And it's number seven, prayer. That is gospel oriented. And I'm going to wrap up this message in verse 19 and verse 20. Because after he said, pray for all the Lord's people. In verse 19, he said, pray also for me. And I read that. I thought, oh, here it comes. He's going to say, pray for my comfort. Pray for my freedom. Pray for my health. No, no. That whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And here's Paul chained to a Roman guard 24 seven for two years. Six hours to one guard, next guy comes in, they take it off, put it on the new guard, keep it on him. 20, he's chained to a Roman guard, 24-7, and he says, I am an ambassador in chains. Now, I want to show you 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, because it, it talks about an ambassador, and we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's, come on, we live in Ottawa, we know what an ambassador is. An ambassador comes from another country and comes to a foreign country and represents the country 
that they have come from. An ambassador is not in their homeland. An ambassador is in a foreign land. Now, church, this world is not your homeland. Heaven is your real home if you're a believer. Amen? You are an ambassador of heaven to this world. And Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. I'm chained to this Roman guard. I don't want to be chained to him. I don't want to be chained to him. Now, let me, let me show you some verses here. I'm going to bring it together in a moment. Let me take it to Acts chapter 28, verse 16. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. There's the context. He's in Rome, and he is chained to a Roman guard, and he's allowed to live by himself. Jump down to verse 30 and verse 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who came to see him. I don't have time to tell you this, but Timothy came, Luke came, Aristarchus came, Mark came. A lot of people came to see him, and he welcomed all who came to see him. Look at verse 31. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I'm going to show you something here. Now, I don't know how many people are like me, but, but I'm going to ask the question. And, and usually people who are like this will be quick to respond. Anybody else a high D personality and you like to be a go, go, go and a doer, doer, doer? Lift up your hand. High D personalities are, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. So Paul gets to Rome and for two years he's in house arrest. And he's chained to a Roman guard, chained to a Roman guard 24-7 for two years. Didn't like it. He thought he'd get to Rome and preach in the Colosseum. He thought he'd get to Rome and he'd roam through the city and share Jesus. But instead, he's in house arrest and he's in a house and he's chained to a Roman guard. So you know what he did? He made some lemonade out of life's lemons. He said, if I got to be chained to four different Roman guards every day, I'm going to ask God to help me to share boldly Jesus with these four different Roman guards. Come on. Come on. Are you hearing me today? Some of you, you're chained to something in a situation. I don't, I don't want to be going through this. I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to be on this job. I don't want to be in COVID. I don't want to be living in this house. I don't want to. For folks, we need to say, God, if this is where you have put me right now, use me to share the love of Jesus Christ. Come on. Now I'm going to show you something else that maybe you didn't know, but I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think God could have got active Paul to write over half of the New Testament if he didn't get him slowing down and sitting in jail. And during those two years, he pulled out the parchment paper, got out the parchment paper, and he got out his old little pen here, and Holy Spirit began to speak to him. And while he's in jail for those two years, under the inspiration of Holy Spirit, he wrote the book of Ephesians. Well, he's in jail during those two years. He wrote the book of Philippians. Well, he's in jail for those two years. He wrote the book of Colossians. And while he's in jail for those two years, he wrote a book called Philemon. 
as he's chained to a Roman guard. Here's my question. Whatever you feel chained to and you think it's bondage, what does God want to do in that difficult situation? My prayer is whatever you are walking through, Holy Spirit would light a fire of God in you and use you to boldly share Jesus Christ. When Evelyn's going through her chemo treatment, we said, Lord, put us in the right spot with the right nurse, with the right doctor, so we could share Jesus Christ with the right nurse, with the right doctor. Lord, you know what, church? We got a neighbor that's been amazing that lives right beside us, just sold their house, and they're moving somewhere else. You know what we're praying? I mean, I know some of you, oh God, give us a good neighbor that treats their lawn like I treat mine. God, give us a good neighbor. No, no. We're saying, God, give us a neighbor that meets Jesus so that we can share. Some of you, oh, I want a neighbor that loves God and goes to church. No, I want a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus. I want a neighbor that God wants beside us so that we can share the love of God with. Come on. Are you with me today, friends? Come on. So some of you today, it's like, Pastor, I feel like I'm chained to something that's really difficult. Here's the word. You are an ambassador in chains. And some of you want to say, God, set me free. Give me better this, better that. I want to challenge you to include in your prayers, God, what do you want to do through me in this difficult circumstance? Somebody Somebody, somebody risk a little amen or praise the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, we bow our heads. I'm asking, Lord, that you would take the message that I believe you wanted me to speak today. I ask of God for every man, every woman, boys and girls and young people and adults, from youngest to eldest, that God, that you would challenge us to take these seven essential elements of prayer and you would challenge us, God, to grow deeper in our prayer life. God, I know that the devil wants this church to do everything but pray, but God, we want to be a church that is a praying church. I pray, God, that our prayer life individually and corporately would deepen and grow. I pray every mom and dad would take time to pray as a family with their children. I pray every husband and wife would take time daily to pray together as husband and wife. I pray as a church we would keep on taking time to pray corporately. I pray in the name of Jesus that our prayer life would stretch. I pray, God, that we would move from asking to seeking to knocking. I pray in the name of the Lord that the faith level in this house would rise rise up in the name of the Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would stop complaining about being in the COVID season. And we start saying, God, what do you want to do through us in this COVID season? We feel like we're chained to a COVID season, but God, what do you want to do through us in this season? I pray God that the best days for everyone in this place and for this church would be the days ahead. And I thank you, God, for a church that knows how to pray. But I'm just asking God that the prayer life of this church and everyone would grow deeper and deeper in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. There are two things I want to ask you in these final moments. Number one, if today was the day that you died 
and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you're going to heaven? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior? Whether you're standing in the auditorium or you're watching online, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you that opportunity right now to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The best decision you could ever make is a decision for Jesus. So if you never prayed a prayer to ask Christ in your life, I want to lead you in this prayer. We're going to join you as you pray. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. Today I make my peace with you. I receive you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your eyes, put your hands together, and celebrate salvations. Come on, celebrate salvations. Now, if you're here in the auditorium and you accepted Jesus Christ, on your way out in a couple of moments, drop by a table. We got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. We got a follow class we want to lead you towards, and we're here to help you in your new faith journey. And if you're watching online and you accepted Christ today, send us an email. We're going to respond back to you, and we're going to help you in your new faith journey. But the second thing that I'm going to ask you today you don't have to lift your hand, but you could, you could just kind of in your heart say, that's, that's me. You're standing here today, and you need a miracle. Whatever it is, you need a miracle physically, financially, relationally, emotionally. I don't know what it is, but you need a miracle. There's two things that are going to happen. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. But after I pray... This service is going to come to a close, but we're going to open this altar and we've got a COVID friendly altar time that we're going to have. And after the service comes to a close, I, I, I want you to feel free to come and stand in one of the lines here. And I want the altar workers to immediately come now and make themselves ready if you would. And we're going to, we're going to give opportunity just to pray for you. We're not going to place our hands upon you because we can't have any physical touch during this moment and season of time, but we're going to pray for you and believe for your miracle. So I want you all across this place just to lift your hands high to the heavens. You're, you're in your home right now. You need a miracle. Just lift your hands towards the heavens. Father God, I pray that you, the God of the supernatural, would do the supernatural in every life in this place. God, there's people who have disease in their body. I pray healing in the name of the Lord. I pray miracle in the name of the Lord. I pray disease would be gone. Cancer would be gone. Tumor would be gone. In the name of the Lord, back pain would be gone. Headache would be gone in the name of the Lord. I pray for those, God, that are battling anxiety and depression. It would break in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord, fear would be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray marriages would be restored. I pray drunk addicts would be set free. I pray in the name of the Lord that this house will be a house of miracles. So God, do what only you can do. And I thank you for our time together. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.